This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. All right, we are going for it. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Predicting the Future of Podcast Content. It's going to be a good ride. Uh, we'll start by introducing ourselves. My name is Caroline Edwards. I'm an agent at CAA. Hey, I'm Martha Little. I'm a senior uh, director of creative development at Audible. I'm Brigham Mosley. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a writer, performer, and head of creative development for Spoke Media. Uh, my name is Zachary Grady. I am a writer-director in fiction podcasting. Well, I have great news for the crowd. You're probably wondering, predicting the future, how is that possible? But Brigham is actually a witch that can <laughs> predict the future. And so we're Sorry about we're... it. <laughs> Look out, everyone. <laughs> predicted be... the rainstorm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in for a good ride. Um, all right. Well, we'll sort of just dive in and sort of treat this as a conversation about what trends we're seeing and, and what we think might be coming next in our ever-changing industry. Um, so first, let's start with TV and film. So TV and film, I think it's pretty safe to say, is having a bigger and bigger impact on the podcast space. So I pose this question. How do, how do you see it affecting the space now, and how do you see it affecting it in the future? Um, I guess I'll kick it off. Uh, at Audible, we're seeing a lot of studios, both television, film studios, getting very, very interested in podcasting, in audio, um, and wanting to either buy IP or present IP to us. And so there's a lot of collaboration going. It feels like the, the causation uh, arrow is going back and forth and back and forth, you know, and swapping IP. A um, lot of money is going into it. Um, I would say, but that shouldn't discourage those of you who are in independent, uh, in independent circles because a good story is a good story is a good story. And even the biggest, wealthiest companies, I think, though they can produce fantastic looking things and sounding things, it doesn't mean they always have the best story. So that's my rule of operation um, when fielding stories. Mm, gorge, gorge, gorge. Yes. Um, uh, I would say from my side, which is really... Um, Finding creators, working with Zachary on a thing now, but um, uh, just finding voices and then also like, you know, having an ear with companies about making shows for them and, uh, and just sort of like straddling that line between market and development. Um, I, I would say uh, the thing that I love is that I feel like the podcast to TV film uh, is making for more diversity of stories. I feel like podcasts are really great about marginalized voices, creating niche communi communities, and then uh, TV film is able to be like, oh, people will uh, consume these stories, so let's put money behind it. But um, I would say the sort of like double-edged sword that I see from, from where I sit is a lot of screenwriters who are just like, oh, I couldn't sell this screenplay, and now it's going to be a podcast, and it's just visuals, and there's, <laughs> there's no dialogue in it. Uh, and so um, that's sort of uh, what I see in, in my seat, but um, I'm excited by uh, the new stories that, that come into the podcast space that are now uh, finding their way onto a screen. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it, it's been informing um, a lot about, the, the conversation always is derivative. Everyone in TV and film wants to know how is your piece going to be a derivative. And I think it's informing the type of shows that are being bought and the type of, uh, not just fiction, just across all, all uh, mediums, I mean genres. Um, and I think what's 
been good is it's it's been a great way to look at what could work in film and TV, but I think we're finding that not all of that's coming true. And so in fiction specifically, there's a lot of talk right now about moving away from what everyone was excited about two or three years ago, which was limited series. We're now moving into like who has the weekly show that's a scripted weekly show that's gonna come back every week for listeners. Um, but I'm also finding kind of what you were saying, Brigham, like shows that just work in audio are what's gonna work in film and TV. And um, we're moving away from mystery. There'll always be mystery, there'll always be horror, but we're opening up into comedies, into fantasy, um, and we're just diversifying not only the people that are making it, but the types of stories that are being made. Can I, can I just challenge that a little bit, though? Because I was having a conversation with someone, a colleague whom, with, whom we work with from the film industry, and, and, and he and I face the same thing, which is that you know, people pitch audio projects, and they're like, oh, it'll be a great film. But actually, the mediums are so different. Yeah. And the rules, though the storytelling rules might be sort of the same, they're very different. And it takes a skill set that's different. And, and that's true of television, too. That's different from audio, which is different from film. And I still think we bump up against this expectation that they just flow seamlessly through. And, they, and I wish there would be a little bit more respect for that. I think filmmakers are understanding that audio is tough. Audio is discovering that film is tough. And and until we really embrace that, we're going to be banging our heads against the wall. And the one other thing I'll say is on the economics of this, which I think are very interesting, and we'll get to it with Atmos and so on, but um, is that I think, I think film people are scratching their heads a little bit about how much money do I actually want to invest into this audio product, especially fiction? Um, wouldn't I rather make a movie? You know, so there, there are those conversations that are happening that I think are really interesting and in, in testing kind of the parameters of each uh, storytelling uh, metric. Yeah. And uh, just to jump in, yes, this, uh, go for this it. lively little conversation <laughs> here, I also think like we haven't, we have not clarified what is possible in the audio space yet. And I, I like, nothing is new, audio plays, boop, boop, boop. But like, there's so much that can be done with this medium that is not just a narrator or incredibly grounded. And like, I, I look at, Zachary and I both come from theater and like uh, folks like James Kim, who is this sound auteur, who's doing things with like sound transitions that feel metaphorical and very zhuzhy and emotional and it's like, we need to start respecting our audiences in a new way for what they are capable of hearing. And then I think putting money inside um, experimental forms and frames without just saying like, what? how can we make this an easy pipeline to exactly. TV film? It's totally. like, let's flex in audio, yeah. Totally, amen. Yeah. Well, I hate to bring money into it, but as the <laughs> agent, also something that I've noticed that I wanted to bring up that I think is exciting is more companion podcasts. And so more like you have the TV and film piece, and then you have the podcast that does the deep dive, or that is maybe even about the same thing, but you, you, there's so much more information that you can put in audio that you couldn't fit into the 90-minute you know, documentary, for example. So I think, and these audiences don't cannibalize each other, I think and instead it's like it just builds out, and so there's all these new revenue streams for both of these mediums, which I think is exciting that they can sort of play together. Um, next question. Mm. 
what emerging styles, formats, and genres are you all excited about um, in the podcast space? You take that. Uh, well, I just, I, I gave my answer. New forms, exciting new forms. I, I, I would love to see an expensive C. I would love to hear an expensive sounding flex in audio. I would love for us to respect our audiences of like what we can track and what we can follow in the experiences that sound can give us. Um, and again, not just having uh, a narrator who's walking us through scenes and just reading stage directions. I, I think that there's such uh, exciting work here. Zachary's been working in audio for, for a long time since uh, over a decade ago when we met for the first time. Uh, uh, but then in addition to that, um, I, I'll just say like kids content. I think um, uh, what is the Pixar of audio? What is the, the show that is going to be, yes, new IP that would be exciting, but something that can bridge the, the, the parent-kid audience and something that, that is, um, I think, production value is incredibly important. It, it validates things, it makes them rich, it, it helps you trust. Uh, and then if you can have something that turns into a weekly that is a long relationship with that content uh, instead of just six weeks out of the year, I think that's really cool. Um, you talk about stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I think also bringing in um, creators who might not have worked in the kids space before um, is, is, I think, important because it, like the reason Pixar works is because they don't bring in kid writers to make their shows. They bring in seasoned storytellers. Um, but I think I've not ever worked in children's things. Maybe this talk will change that. But um, I mean, I definitely think it's a huge part of it, where we're all heading. And um, yeah. It didn't have to be about <laughs> kid stuff. Well, I want to. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You go. OK. <laughs> Um, well, so one of the trends that I know, and the, one of the future trends, probably you've all heard this, is that things are going to be more data-driven. And Audible, which lives under Amazon, of course, has a lot of, a lot of its hands on data. And one of the data trends we crunched recently, you'll be interested in this, Brigham, is that one of the areas for growth is trans comedy. Um, and uh, I thought that was really interesting. I think people are feeling, you know, a lot of the studies are showing people are just sick of the news. They're feeling very depressed. They want to be uplifted. Um, and that seems obvious. That's every study I've seen across the board. Um, but that would be a very interesting niche area. Ki kids is obviously another one. Um, global audiences, things that are made for global audiences as tougher than you might think. Because if you think about all the different cultures encapsulated in a, a piece of content, how do, you, how do you cross lines? And you think about Harry Potter, you think about maybe Game of Thrones, I don't know. There's some other things, those are all television, but um, Sandman, we've had great success with um, because it's, it's, uh, it is genre bending in a, to a degree, but that's a highly scripted, highly performed, very loaded up uh, with, with sound, not, not cheap to make. But, but there are a lot, lot of things that if you get the right concept, I think you can reach across continents. Think about that. Brigham, to go back what you were saying about um, who's the Pixar of podcasting, just from a deal-making perspective, I'm like dying to know who's going to do that. Because, you know, everybody wants, in the kids' space, what I'm finding out in the marketplace is they want known brands, known, you know, pieces of property that kids already know and they want to listen to. But the reality is, like, those big legacy brands aren't going to give away the TV and film rights, yes. which everybody wants, right? So it's yes. like, let's create those new stories, those new characters for kids to fall in love with. And I think it's a huge opportunity. Huge opportunity. I, I um, 
from uh, So Spoke worked on uh, this Netflix uh, bedtime stories, which was pulling from Netflix kids' properties, uh, IP, existing IP. And um, it, it was very hard. These are a lot of hoops. It's a lot of red tape. It's a lot of uh, different agreements with different folks. Sometimes uh, these are Canadian companies and you're, you're dealing with whole other beasts there. And it is um, insane spending all of this money and time uh, for these small little uh, IP glimmers where we're doing one-off episodes. Um, and it's satisfying and really cool, but like you could spend that money and make something that's a whole new world that's really exists best inside of this space that is audio first where that is the primary identity of the story versus like oh I can imagine the cute claymation when I hear the voices like no do something where it is the audio first um, could be really cool yeah I totally agree um, so how do you see technology playing into all of this from a creative perspective with things like Atmos and immersive sound and shows that utilize some sort of interactive element um, well, I'll speak to it because we certainly, we have at, at Audible our own studios with our own Atmos set, set up, you know, with 17 speakers or whatever. And it's tough because how do you translate that to the ear for your average listener? And are they going to appreciate it? And I was actually having a conversation with the Atmos guy yesterday and saying, yeah, if you have a room, a set of speakers set up in your home and you walk out of that room, you're not having the same experience because you're in a different side of it. Nevertheless... Uh, we put out something called Impact Winter, which was very uh, successful and had some of those, you know, effects coming around behind your head and with binaural mics and um, headphones, etc. You can really get into this area. The question, I think, really interesting cutting edge question is, how do you write? Let's say you're a writer, either film or TV or audio, maybe specifically audio. How do you write a script for that technology? Um, and I'm curious if anyone's tried it. Um, oh, great. Uh, I'll have to hear from you. But, uh, you know, it's, I know it's probably not easy. And is it uh, in, uh, sort of um, preventatively expensive to the point where you're making a film, essentially, not making audio? So, so these economies of scale are going to begin to be important with this technology and delivering that to millions of listeners. How does that happen? All those steps, we can look at those beautiful bells and whistles, but is it translatable across a wide spectrum? I don't know the answer. Maybe there's people here who do, but um, I'm, I'm always intrigued by uh, where I think this is going, you know, or where we're seeing it head, um, and I think it's interesting. I, I really believe in the live performance aspect of it, um, and I don't really know... I mean, I, where I met Brigham a decade ago, I was in New York doing... Uh, immersive audio productions where the whole audience wears headphones and the whole experience is that different people hear different things but it coincides with a live event and I think that that's a new frontier where the technology is really getting advanced. I know cruise ships are doing this for because everyone's confined in the space and they want to do something that doesn't require a theater um, and I think that audio is a really powerful tool and the technology of being able to stream to multiple people at the same time different things is available, but we're not really using it. And I think um, whether it's story-based, fiction-based, or if it's something entirely different, I mean, we see this at conventions where you can have speakers talking to a room of thousands and thousands of people and you can change channels, but I don't see anyone really using it creatively yet. And I think um, it requires pulling in people who wanna not just use the technology to show off um, something cool, like when you see a Marvel film and it's like a big explosion, 
um, you care about it if they've linked it, not because they can do the CGI, but because they've found a really creative way to do some new tool. I think that um, as, uh, as technology goes, whether it's bi binaural, whether it's immersive, anything, um, it's all gotta, you just gotta invent something that hasn't been done with the technology that exists. That's how it comes. And I really believe in live, live I, we can call it performance or experience, but we consume these things on our own and I do know the power of a communal experience to audio. It's, it's very, very exciting. Yeah, uh, to to bring back the witch through lineup at all, we are <laughs> we are all psychic, and we know when a thing is happening live between two people. And all, everyone here, I, I I know values what the podcast medium can do in terms of uh, the intimacy, the realness of it. We we track people because we're living in their chemistry and relationships. That's why we listen. And it's like you have to put that same intentionality in recording performances, where it's like put them in a booth together, do a sound stage, like, you know, and it's because it, it changes it. It changes the audio completely. I would, I would add one more trend that I think you guys are probably already aware of, which is video, um, video podcasts. And I know I see some booths around. And um, again, it's a, it's a tricky one because the lines between audio, video, storytelling are blurring. And how do we as creators think about that? What are the rules for engagement? What are the audiences we're seeking? And I think that's still playing itself out. Um, I'm not sure I'm the best person to think about that, but I, I know that that's being talked about at a lot of places, um, like my company and others. But I think what you were kind of bringing up earlier is, is, is if we treat it like film or we treat it like audio, it, that's, it, it's a, or sorry, like theater, it, it's its own thing. And when we start looking at the, the possibilities of video as their own thing and not as film, that's I think where it gets exciting and creative because it is its own, it, it deserves the respect of its own medium because it absolutely is. And I know we go to what it's closest to, but like just trying to be curious about it being its own thing is I think where we're gonna see new ideas come out. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So sort of bouncing off of that, how are we broadening podcasts and who the medium is for and who has access to the medium sort of now and looking into the future? I, I can go, yeah. So I, I think this goes back to the earlier point in, um, I work for a company that is really intentional about um, telling diverse stories and, and from marginalized communities and those being uh, from the perspective of joy and community. Um, and so uh, because of that, even when we're doing branded work with folks like Netflix and HBO and whatever, um, we are really intentional about finding new perspectives. And I think that when those things hit in the podcast space, it's just proof of concept that people are hungry for new stories. People are hungry for new perspectives. And I, I think that the most exciting thing about um, podcasts and audio is the barrier of entry can be low and people can come in and they can be recording things in their living room, in their basement, in their laundry room, and they can find a niche audience from people who really support them. And then from that builds community. From that, you get your followers, you, you know, get your big company behind you that can then amplify you. And then you, you know, get whatever sort of uh, uh, business empire that you want. But I, I, I really think that the thing that podcast does well is 
you can get in cheaply. And if you put out consistently, um, if you are really, if you come to places like this, if you meet other podcasters, you can find a really specific uh, audience who also loves uh, uh, trans comedy or um, D&D witch live plays or like any of these things that are so specific. And then from there, you build followings and proof of concept. And, and that's, look at the critical role people, you know? Like, um, uh, build it, they will come. Have consistent habits, people will keep showing up. Um, yeah. Yeah, I always tell people, um, they always ask me, how do I break in? How do I break I'm like, you're doing it. You're here already. Um, you're networking. Uh, I think the worst thing that you can do in a, a situation like this is if you say, hey, I have a show I want to pitch, and they send me a link to a pitch, and this, the audio's bad, or the writing isn't that great, or, you know, it's, you've got to do your homework. You have to be sure that the product that you're, that you're pitching lives up to at least some of the basic standards. Educate yourself in that. Share it with your friends. Get them to be your worst critics. You know, take that criticism to heart. It will only serve you if you really believe in your vision. And so many people don't do that, and I'm always surprised because you obviously have creative impulses and something to say, but you've got to test to know what else is out there. Um, I'm always telling people that. Do your homework. Know what your competition is. But you're an individual, you obviously have a key, unique perspective, but make sure it's a perspective that hasn't been told, or if you're going to tell it, it's going to take me in a new direction. Um, and, and so those are, some, those are some pieces of homework for you guys to do before you come across either my doorstep or an independent network. And there's some great independent networks who are always eager for great talent. So it's not as hard as you might think. All right. Let's um, have, take some questions. Does anybody have? Someone right there behind the light. Oh, great. We're going to um, come with a mic in just a second. And just please introduce yourselves. Hi there. My name's Jeremy. I'm a president of Blurry Cowboy Media based out of Austin. Um, I actually had a question um, back to accessibility and kind of broadening um, the horizons of the podcast industry. Do you all feel like uh, exclusive deals, uh, whether it's with, sorry, but Audible or, or anybody else, are hurting uh, accessibility of podcasts? That's a really good question. Um, I could argue it the other way, that by getting exclusive deals with us, we're actually elevating these underrepresented, um, underrepresented voices. Um, so I think it's a fair question. Um, Audible, just to speak to us, we have something called Hear My Story, which is devoted to underrepresented voices, um, and it goes across every, economics, you know, geography, uh, all sorts of things, culture, ethnicity. Um, so we're trying. We're trying to make sure that we're not you know, tuning out really important uh, perspectives. Um, but, you know, it's sort of in your interest to have an exclusive deal, too, because you get more of, of the pie that way. Um, and you get all the, to your point, companion uh, products that might come out of that, whether it's you start with a podcast and it turns into a TV show or, you know, it turns into another podcast. Um, so, but that's a great question. And I, is is paywall a part of this uh, uh, equation? Is that part of the question? Let's say yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> uh, I I think I think it's 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 everything that it's it's like we want 
creators should be paid fairly and they shouldn't be taken advantage of. And um, there are, are, are many folks who would take your hundreds and thousands of hours of work and just put it out there and give you like, you know, a, a very small fraction of ad sales. And yes, you are reaching more ears. And if that is what's important to you, awesome. But if you get an exclusive deal and your work is behind a paywall, I think it's it's absolutely reasonable to be like, hey, can we drop the pilot and make that accessible to everybody um, outside of a paywall? Um, and then from there, like bring people in. But those are the deals where also people get paid fairly. And, um, and we have to legitimize our industry and we have to start getting standard rates across this because right now it's, it's all over the place. Meow, meow. <laughs> the WGA. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would agree with all that. I mean, I would say it's, yes, there is a, a great thing to having your work or your show or, or whatever you're creating on every platform available everywhere. That's one way, but there is a perk to, I, I did a show that was exclusively on Spotify. Um, Name it, Gay Pride, Gay Pride and Prejudice. Prejudice. Thank you, yes. I'm bad at that. Um, but you know, we launched during Pride and we had a billboard in Times Square, which was because Spotify wanted to pour their money into queer content at that time. And yes, there's a part of me that's like, why are we only allowed to present her queer work during one month of the year? But regardless, I mean, there are benefits, there's ups and downs, but I do think part of an exclusive deal is you um, gain access to all uh, uh, some of the places that have exclusive deals also have a very strong marketing arm, and I think that that's a huge perk. Um, yeah, to follow up on this idea of writing for 3D and, and spatial. Can you introduce yourself, please? Oh, sorry. Uh, John Gaunt. I'm from Seattle with hey, um, Augment City. And um, we tried that with a chase scene, and here's the problem. If your writer is not working directly with your sound designer from from jump, yes. yeah. you're going to get a hairball of complexity. Conceptually, it's easy. You get a nice, you know, you take a baseball diamond, home plate is the listener, and yes, you can get all kinds of pans and swishes and, you know, come around. And then you start looking at how many extra tracks do we need to mix and how does that impact production, and a lot of writers don't get that. Um, second thing I would leave you with is uh, a lady named Yvette Vargas. She wrote um, templates for Final Draft for uh, VR and XR and uses uh, clock hands uh, metaphor so that the writer can orient themselves in 3D space. So if you are gonna go this route, and I have the arrows in my back to, uh, to show, start with getting that orientation and the final draft templates for VR and uh, XR are a great way to start. I couldn't Thank agree you. with you more. I, I'm so, you know, applaud, applaud. Uh, again, it's the, it's the orientation to audio first and I, I'm a broken record in my company about this, but it's, it's elevating that form in a way that really takes into account all the possibilities that engineering offers us. But until you understand the creative form of audio, you really can't appreciate um, that. It, you run up against, oh, but I'm a visual thinker and I should be able to represent that. You know, and I, it's the same thing for me. If I tried to go make a film right now, I would run into these barriers as well. So I'm not holier than thou. It's just this is the form we're talking about. So thank you for that comment. Yeah, and I, I think a, a big I don't want to say it's a problem, but a big trend I'm seeing is as a writer who's, who's pitching my work, 
the question is what what cool cool director do I want to bring in? And as Caroline knows, I, I direct my own work because I bring in the audio designer immediately. I bring in the audio designer before production, before we're even casting, because I need that person to have input on what's on the page, because then we can fix problems before we've even recorded. And so I, I think this trend to sort of bring in cool people from other mediums in anything that we're doing, whether it's fiction or not, is a trap because we're not elevating the sound. We're elevating something that we think is helpful. And it's, like you said, gonna get an arrow in your back in the end of the day. There was another question back there in the middle. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm Jessica Ray. I'm founder and CEO of Kids Pod, which is um, a kids podcast app launching this fall. So I really appreciate you guys talking about kids content and the future of that. And my kids and I are definitely ready for the Pixar of <laughs> podcasts as well. And I am interested in whoever the better help of kids podcasting is going to be as well. But um, our vision for the future of podcasting in the kids realm is definitely more interactive. So I was curious, you know, what kind of tools are creators waiting for in terms of, um, you know, having that one-to-one -one connection with their listeners um, specific to the kids space, if you know of anything or can dream up of, you know, what is the wish list of the future of the interaction? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm the right person. Yeah, uh, the wish list for the future of ways that we can interact with audio. Um, so yeah, th I mean, this is a question, right? So this is where I uh, run into my own ignorance just in terms of like what tech can do. We uh, at Spoke have worked with some cool app developers and, and just having a different kind of brain in the space, someone who is uh, into creating their own programs and their own systems, that has really been helpful. This also feels like working with an audio engineer from, from the get-go. It's like bringing in someone who has that expertise and working with them on day one, um, I think has always led to better collaboration and more interesting product. Um, and also audio engineers are so lovely. They're just always magicians who are so kind and want to flex, so it's, it's really exciting. Um, but in terms of like interactivity with kids' content, I, I mean, would this be apps, or are you thinking like the Alexas of the world, or um, where, where are you living? Yeah, choose your own adventure. I think choose your own adventure would be so cool. And, and then it's just about where can these things live? Because if you're creating new technology that isn't on these larger platforms, then really you probably need to create your own app. Um, or if not your own app, then, um, I mean, but really like Alexa's got quite a few interactivity now. And like, she does. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does, she's, she's getting smarter than us all, okay. Uh. Well, and also the video aspect of it too. You know, I know that there are now these interfaces with Alexa and then you have the, the video part of it. So that would seem to me an, a logical place to go um, or Google app or one of, you know, any of those. Uh, but again, those are uh, more technical brains than I am. I like to write, you know, deal with story, <laughs> simple thing. Yeah. I but, think uh, I think you could bring it back to live performance too, because it's it's so affordable to bring a silent disco kit around the country, um, the, and bar mitzvahs do silent discos all the time. Kids' birthday parties do silent discos, and I think if you have a, a kid or a younger youth audience that is listening to a show weekly at home, and then they find out, oh, 
in our town, there's gonna be in a ballroom of a hotel, a live silent disco event that's linked with the kids show. I mean, that's a huge interactive way. And it's not like touring, uh, uh, you know, like Barney Live. It's way more affordable than that. It's just headphones that roll into a space and you put up some fun lights and they feel like they're a part of it. Yeah, I really like the idea you're talking about in terms of creating a, a universe or an environment that is strongly audio-driven and looks at it as its own uh, art form. But what does that do to people who are starting out or have lower budgets that can't hire actors and do that sort of thing because uh, industries or networks or things have set the bar so high that anything they produce is going to sound schlocky. And so how do you build a farm team of people who can create and learn the craft while at the time competing with the major studios? And this is a callback to the film industry and that sort of thing. I have an answer for that. Um, I would just say to you, I think what they say in the film business is the three things that are really important to a movie are the script, the script, and the script. And, and I would say the same thing for audio. From the, the first start, like I can tell pretty quickly if you have a great idea from looking at your words on the page. I mean, obviously, the animation of that through audio is, is critical, but... Uh, we can help you with that if we believe in the story. So you don't have to have all the bells and whistles on your farm team if you have a great idea and a great execution of that on the page. And I know that seems counter... Uh, I'm con contradicting myself, but I'm, I'm really not, at least for scripted form. And, and I deal with a lot of nonfiction myself, so I am dealing with audio first. Um, but if you bring me a great access to tape and so on, uh, in a nonfiction form, then I'm equally going to be, you know, I don't need it fully produced to be able to judge whether I think this is a unique idea. seems like you had a follow-up. Yeah, I, and I agree with what you're saying. It, it's what happens with fan films from Star Trek and that sort of thing. But if I'm tied to a script, then I'm also tied to somebody corporate who has to approve such things. And like people in the book industry know, you can walk into a publisher's office and have the best book in the world, but if they've spent their budget for that category for right now, they'll send you out the door because they don't have the budget for it. Um, so my way into corporate is through a script, but I can't show you other things that I have in mind because I can't match that level of complexity or uh, creativity, I suppose. I want to challenge that you don't have the creativity for it. Um, I, I, I want to push back on that because I, I think there is a difference between uh, production quality, which is money, right? Like, um, uh, and, and something sounding expensive, but then there are people making really cool stuff with just like their iPhone and going out in the world and like getting environments and then doing a track on top of that and then creating this world that can be both inner dialogue, outer world, can have these pastiches of experiences and then you're telling stories that maybe aren't linear and like that to me is showing a creator who is really playing with the medium and they're doing things cheaply and innovatively and when you can prove that, um, uh, anyone on this side can hear 
potential. And, uh, and I think that like, if you are going in just with the script and, um, and you're expecting that high production value to just be uh, put on top of your work, uh, that feels very different than creating a team from the ground up, really figuring out what your point of view is, what, what your group of folks, like how you create and what you make and what that shape is. Uh, you, you can do that cheaply with, with Pro Tools and an iPhone. Um, and, and so I think it's just about really um, trying and playing. Well, and I would also say as a corollary to that, that a lot of people who we spend millions and millions of dollars on, it's not that good. So, 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 yeah. Some of it isn't that good. Yeah. I'm supposed to say that. Some of, the, I mean, the, some of the most interesting things are two people talking. That's why interview shows are so popular. It's Yes, all these bells and whistles of audio are amazing, but I think we sometimes forget the power of just two people talking and how compelling that can really be. Yeah, and I think that the margin of, of improving, you know, I still think even the film and television and the big dollar corporations and so on, there's, we're still stumbling our way through. I mean, we're still trying to figure this out. So I don't think that, that, that it's an impenetrable dome, you know, and, and that's why I'm here, um, because I am always looking for the next greatest talent, whether it's the tiniest single person or someone who's already got an agent, you know. Um, so... So to me, it's it's a fair game. I think we have another question up here. There's, yeah. Way up on the front, yeah. <laughs> I can also just give you mine if this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, hey, I'm from uh, Poland, Central Europe. Hello. Uh, came in here to uh, participate in panels such like uh, this one. Uh, my question would be about that audio-first attitude, audio-first approach, uh, and about the writers, because uh, you mentioned uh, a lot that uh, it all starts with, starts with the script, uh, and from my experience as a podcast and uh, audio series producer for one of uh, Polish uh, uh, audiobook and podcast platforms, is that we struggle a lot with finding good, writers that, uh, that are audio writers. Uh, we have a market that uh, is still growing when it comes to audio, but uh, film and television-wise, it's a quite developed market, and platforms such as Netflix, uh, they, they drop literally tens millions of dollars each year uh, into the original content just for that territory. And uh, talking about the money, it's quite obvious that we can't pay as good as TV, as Netflix, and uh, other platforms. Uh, and uh, we struggle with professionals in the audio field. Uh, from the uh, much more developed market perspective, the, 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 um, uh, the domestic one, uh, what would you say is the future of the writers? Uh, is the professionalization in the audio field something that will develop and that uh, will allow uh, audio writers uh, or actually uh, writers that are not uh, aiming for TV or, uh, platform, or VOD platforms to earn decent, decent money and uh, for producers such as uh, myself to work with professionals and not, you know, not, not grassroot everything and not develop everything out of scratch um, uh, when it comes to the script. Yeah. Um... I mean, I think that is a problem 
it, not it, not just in Poland. It's it's everywhere. Um, I think what I'm experiencing is that we're not. Uh, there aren't. I mean, there are a lot of writers in audio, but I think. Um, not everybody is writing on the page. I have a rule that if you can't hear it, it shouldn't be on the page. And I have every direction that you read on my page is something that you can hear. I don't, there's a million screenwriting classes, there's a million playwriting classes. It's such a new edge. It's a, it's a growing medium. I hope that we have training programs. I wanna learn. I hope that we, 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 we're doing, by, by doing things like this, we're talking about it, we're meeting people. It, I, th I want there to be a, a greater curiosity for who is writing in audio as opposed to who's writing in TV that could write in audio um, because there are people who are specifically in this world um, who are very talented and I'm blown away by what they're doing but um, we have to look for them and not, not get a, a cool name who's a screenwriter. <laughs> well, and to that point, you know, a lot of where this industry grew out of was NPR, you know, it was yeah. public radio, and you probably have public radio, yes, amen. <laughs> uh, public radio, a women. Um, uh, you have public radio folks, I would assume, in Poland or government-sponsored news. Those people are used to writing for audio. Um, maybe they're interested in a pilot project with you. I mean, we do a lot of this ourselves, or we're trying to pull people out of books. Or, um, and some of them have written for audio, but not a lot. So we are, we're trying to offer them vanity projects, but short term, maybe 90 minutes, something like that. There, there might be ways you can entice them in between their big projects. But to your point, finding people who are native to audio is, I think, the first, um, first step, probably. I think also, too, our industry is still so young. Like, we, we have so much growth to do, and part of the reason why people don't pay big bucks to write audio is that audio doesn't make big bucks, like especially scripted stuff yet. So it's like you can't, you can't expect a film rate because films you know, can gross millions and millions of dollars and scripted audio doesn't do that kind of money yet. And so I think we need to train more audiences to come. We need more, peop more people listening, more, 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 more. And I think as our industry grows, I do think those rates will go up and I do think it'll be you know, more standardized, more legitimized, more all of that stuff, um, because it's a very specialized skill. Yeah. And so you should be paid for that, not, you know, $500 to write a script. It's insane. Um, but I just think we're still pretty nascent. And I think, oh, sorry, I think fostering the people that are doing it, I think there's just going to be less. I don't think there's going to be so many audio audio writers. I think it's gonna be a smaller pool. And so if you find one, just foster them and, and keep giving them opportunities because we're all learning right now. And I think if the first one's not perfect, the second one might be better. I also like, this This is, uh, this is like a parallel to this question, but the thing that I think is really exciting with this being a nascent form is like, think about all of the different ways that you are consuming audio and all of the different spaces that you spaces headspace environments that you're consuming this what you listen to on your commute is probably very different than what you listen to on your long walk which is very different than what you listen to when you're washing dishes and so like to think about this more than just sitcom length feature length and to think about it as what are the experiences that I want to hear and live inside of and how can I change the shapes and delivery and the vehicles of those things because I think that there's so much room and there's so many areas we haven't started building in yet and 
And so to, to think about it as an inside out of like, what do I want to feel? What do I want to uh, accomplish in this time? And then being able to think about that in the segments of your days. I think it's, it's really exciting because it opens things up to like, not even just writers, but um, sound artists and uh, people who are working in environments and um, in between music and sound design. Like there, there's so many cool experiences that I don't think we've, we've found yet. Um, so I, I think it's really exciting and in, in, in that, um, you Europeans are so creative. Uh, I have no doubt that there are some cutting edge folks in Poland. Uh. <laughs> All right, and with that, we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone. Thank